I want to uh, I want to personally invite you next week uh, to our Easter services uh, at all of our locations, and uh, and let you know right now if you're one of our 1045 services, it may be a little tough uh, to get a seat next week, and so I want to invite you to a different service in Jesus' name. Uh, uh, here's the prerequisite: if you call Action Church home, if you come to the 1045, you better be sitting next to a guest who doesn't know Jesus. If not, I may not know, but God does, and He will judge you for eternity. All that stuff I just said, not even true for you. I'm just kidding. Completely kidding, but next week we have services. We have socially distanced and mass required services as well, if that uh, would be uh, more up your alley. So be looking uh, throughout the week, making a plan to come next weekend uh, and invite somebody. Invite somebody who doesn't know Jesus and just uh, allow them to hear the gospel and, and have a lot, a lot of fun uh, in church. Uh, today we're gonna talk about a topic that is usually excluded uh, in churches today because it, it's uncomfortable. We're gonna talk about it because going into Holy Week, we, we don't get to Sunday, like we talked about a moment ago, without Good Friday. We don't get to Good Friday uh, without the betrayal. Jesus went through a lot in the week leading up to his death and then ultimately his resurrection. And, and I think we can learn a lot from his journey. Today, we're gonna talk about this idea of suffering. We're gonna talk about suffering. Why don't you write this down if you're taking notes today. Suffering produces surrender. Suffering produces surrender. The problem is, is, is we don't like either one of those, and so we stay away from both. We'll get to that in just a moment. First Peter chapter four, verse 12 and 13, Peter writing to Christians, he says, dear friends, how many of you know when you start off a, a conversation really, really sweet, you know it's only going downhill from there? You know what I mean? Like, come on, you, you get in a conversation with your spouse or with your boss, and they're like, hey, sweetheart, love, or they're like, hey, partner, buddy, you're doing so great. You just know they're setting you up for something that's coming. Come on, you know that Oreo John Maxwell leadership principle. They're, they're buttering me up because they're about to punch me in the stomach. Well, that's what Peter is doing here to Christians. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. He could have just left it at trials. You know what I mean? Don't, don't be surprised by the trials, but, but my man says the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. See, we've been indoctrinated with this idea that if we do the right thing and say the right thing and live based off of these principles that we'll always get a blessing. And that's just not in the Bible, that if we do these things that we're gonna have health and wealth and prosperity when that didn't happen for many of the apostles, many of the followers of Jesus. And so a lot of Christians are, are surprised. Why? He's saying, don't be surprised because there's fiery troubles coming your way. Instead, be very glad. Now that's tough for me, you know what I mean? That, that's a little challenging, be very glad. What do, you, what do you mean, Peter? Like, what is the Holy Spirit trying to say to us here? He goes on to be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. I don't know about you, but I like to partner with Jesus in any circumstance. Come on, somebody needs to get that today. We, we wanna partner with Jesus when it blesses us financially. We wanna partner with Jesus when the serving produces a good feeling on the inside of us. But, but what he's saying here is that we're called to partner with him in everything. And in fact, in your suffering, there is no better partner than Jesus. If suffering is promised, you better have the right partner when you're, when you're walking through it. So that you'll have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all of the world. It's basically saying you don't get the glory without the suffering. Come on, you don't get Sunday. 
You can never have a resurrection without a death. So we love to celebrate the resurrection, but we don't like to go through the death and the burial and the waiting. I am, I am, I've been off and I'm preaching. Y'all just, y'all haven't been used to it. I get it. I, hey, hey, some of you are new. I get it. It's just me and Eddie up here. We could have had a small group. The rest of you are watching me and Eddie have a great time in the sermon. Sanford's going crazy right now. I love you, South Orlando Avito. I love you too, just not as much right now. <laughs> Kidding. But seriously, do better later. <laughs> Romans chapter eight, talking about the same thing. Verse 17. And since we are his children, and what a miracle that you and I, sinners, can be called children. We are his heirs. He could have saved us and made us slaves, but he made us sons and daughters. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. So we're gonna inherit eternal life. We're, we're, we're gonna get to heaven. We're gonna share in all the glory of God. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Because God knows something about human nature because he created us, that suffering produces surrender, and surrender is the goal. So let's look at how Jesus went through this week of his suffering. And let's take some of these principles, some of these truths, and apply them to our life. Here's the first one, the first principle we find with Jesus. When we suffer, we need to surrender our will. When we suffer, we need to surrender our will will. We see Jesus doing this at the Last Supper and then in the, the Garden of Gethsemane. In fact, I want to read a, a few verses for you out of Matthew chapter 26, talking about Jesus walking through this suffering. And there's something so powerful that we can find here and apply to our lives to get through these seasons of suffering. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, you gotta catch this, we're gonna come back to it. Jesus prays this three times. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. And he came back to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Jesus. Jesus is the, the Son of God. So he's looking up to his father saying, Dad, I don't wanna do this. Is there any other way? Is there any other possible path for, for, for these people to be reconciled with you because this is painful. And it says he's in anguish and he's grieved. He's so grieved and anguished almost to the point of death. It is literally killing him physically, the weight he is carrying emotional and spiritually. And he's saying, Dad, if you, if you have a plan B, can we go with it? Jesus prayed 
And God didn't answer his desire because his destiny was on the other side of his surrender and his suffering. Too many of us will forfeit our destiny because we're not willing to walk through seasons of suffering and surrender. We don't like talking about suffering or surrender because we love control. I don't wanna surrender because then I wouldn't be in control. I don't like suffering because we love us some comfort. We want our life to be easy. We want our kids to be safe. We want everything to be secure. I don't wanna talk about suffering. I wanna be comfortable. The more and more time goes on, the more and more I, I see even Christians, myself included, are chasing comfort. Let's have fun for just a second. We see it in fashion quite a bit. I find it hilarious, the questions we get when we have an action event. Because we put out formal or semi-formal or business casual or casual. In this day and age, nobody knows what that means anymore. The questions we get. Well, first of all, we never had a formal event, but let me just educate you. Formal would be like a tuxedo and like a, an evening dress for ladies. Like just, like just think like, like wedding attire. Semi-formal would be a, a coat, probably a tie with some slacks and ladies would be a nice dress. Business casual would be like, like this here. This, this would be business casual. Then you have casual. We'll do stuff at Action Church. We'll say like semi-formal. We'll have people showing up in flip-flops. They're like, these are my most formal flip-flops. I think you missed the point. And if you look at fashion, we're just going more and more casual. I mean, I come into office two days a week like in sweatpants and tennis shoes. Like we are chasing comfort. I remember back in the day, people loved to dress up. Like I, I did this today, I put on my leather shoes. I'm gonna have blisters after this. Like I, I, I this is not fun. Like just, there are socks on in here, but they are not high enough. And it's, it's, there's gonna be, there will be blood later. There will be blood <laughs> later at the house. It's not comfortable. So we, we just chase comfort. We become a culture that avoids pain and discomfort at all costs. Because we value comfort over everything else. And Jesus is saying there's a, there's a, there's a different way. I, I gotta get you to write this down this week. I, I was thinking about this, this idea. Surrendering our will to, to God's will. Write this down if you're taking notes. Purpose achieved requires pain endured. Purpose achieved requires pain endured. Sometimes the pain is the point. Because without the pain, God could never get your attention. Without the suffering, there'd never be any surrender. Sometimes God's got, God has to get you to the end of you so you can begin a real, an authentic relationship with him. A surrender, purpose achieved requires pain endured. And I'm just telling you this, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later. I'm just telling you this from personal experience in this season. This is the only way to live through a season of suffering. And I wanna give you permission. You can pray just like Jesus. Come on, we're trying to be like Jesus in every situation. You can say, like, God, take this. 
Like, take this pain, take this anguish, take this grief, take this depression, take this relationship dysfunction. Like, God, take this from me. I don't want this. It's okay not to want it. In fact, you'd be insane if you did. God, give me more pain. What? You need a freedom group. You need a freedom group either way, but you really need one. If you're searching for pain, no, it's God, take it, I don't want it, but if you get more glory, if this is your will, if this is a part of my destiny, allow me to surrender my will to your will. That's the goal. When we suffer, we surrender our will. Second thing, when we suffer, we gotta surrender our emotions. When we suffer, we gotta surrender our emotions. It says this in John's Gospel, John uh, chapter 19. This is Jesus on the cross. It says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put on a hyssop branch, and held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He said, I am thirsty. And for the young people in here, that's not what you think it means. You're welcome. Jesus is not saying that. He just literally would like some water. I got a bunch of people over 40 here. They're like, I don't know what he's talking about. That's why I said young people. You're welcome. When you can make a joke talking about suffering, you're welcome. I'm a professional. I actually get paid to do this, believe it or not. He said, I am thirsty. He's acknowledging a real human need. He's saying, hey, this is, this is pretty tough, I'm thirsty, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not okay right now, I, I need something. We gotta surrender our emotions, we, we gotta bring our emotions to God. Because sometimes people won't do a good job with them. I don't think this is a stretch. Jesus said, I am thirsty, and somebody brought him bitter wine. Sometimes you will reach out to people and say, I am thirsty, I am in need, and instead of bringing you something refreshing, they will add to your bitterness, your discouragement, or your depression. Because you're asking the wrong people. I gotta take it to God, and then I gotta take it to a trusted group of people who are in relationship with God that will point me back to, to God. Do not, do not let the wrong people in to your emotional needs that will take advantage, that will celebrate, that will use that to manipulate or destroy. We gotta bring our emotions to God. Practically, the first thing we do is we need to acknowledge, come on, I need to acknowledge that I may not be okay right now. That's okay. It's okay to not be okay. So many times we, we pretend. Come on, coming in the church, foyer, the lobby, the parking lot, Come on, you just said something really, really ugly. Like, like God, God, God was looking. You got his attention in the parking lot by using his name, not in a praiseworthy manner. Come on. Don't be looking at me all holy. You walk in the foyer. Pastor Eddie, Pastor Kenneth, Pastor Trent, Pastor Jake say, how are you doing? Blessed. God is good. I know how good God is. I asked you how you were doing. Your kids are crying. Your wife looks like she wants to kill you. God is good, but you're not, sir. We gotta bring our emotions to God. We gotta acknowledge that I, I may not be okay. 
Here's the second one. We gotta accept the reality of our situation and the realness of God's presence. It does not do any good to pretend that everything is okay when it's not okay. It does not do any good to pretend it didn't happen, to deny it. We gotta accept the reality. I'm not saying dwell on the reality or the sadness or the pain. I'm saying accept that this is real, that this is happening, and the presence of God can, can see me through anything. See, when we deny it, we deny, when we deny the problem, we deny God's power to speak to that problem because we don't allow him access. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not gonna come in and overtake anything. You're gonna, you're gonna keep it from him. He's gonna wait until you surrender that situation to him. And there's a third thing, we gotta acknowledge, we gotta accept, and then we gotta act according to God's word, not the world's ways. We bring our emotions to God, we gotta, we gotta act differently. I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna acknowledge it, I'm gonna accept it, and then I'm gonna respond differently. I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna go to the word of God, I'm gonna include the right people, I'm gonna read scripture, I'm gonna do some things different. Act according to God's word, not the world's ways. Here's the third thing, when we're in suffering, when we suffer, we gotta surrender our will, we gotta surrender our emotions. The third one, when we suffer, we gotta surrender ourselves. We gotta surrender ourselves. What I mean is take the focus off of you. John chapter 19, Jesus on the cross still standing near the cross where Jesus' mother, his mother's sister, Mary, and Mary Magdalene, when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple that he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. When our feelings overwhelm us, it helps us to focus on other people. Can we remember what Jesus is going through right here? He's on the cross, which means he's already gotten 39 lashes, crown of thorns, beaten beyond recognition, naked in front of everybody. He's embarrassed, he's humiliated, he's broken. And at this point on the cross, he's literally using everything he has to take a breath. All while pushing up on nails between his wrists and his feet just to stay alive. The pain would have been unbearable, it would have been excruciating. And in that moment, he took his eyes off of himself and he looked to his mom. Because his mom was watching her firstborn son be tortured, be spit on. Can you imagine the emotional anguish she's feeling? The same people that celebrated him on Palm Sunday are now spitting on him and beating him and torturing him. The confusion, the, what, I mean, of course she, she knew he was the son of God from, from Gabriel. Of course she knew the, the purpose and plan, but it doesn't make seeing it happen any easier. And Jesus takes his eyes off of his pain and he puts it on what Mary and his best friend may be feeling. What I found is that sometimes, this is the first step, we shouldn't land here, but sometimes focusing on others, surrendering ourselves and focusing on other people, it's just a good distraction. Sometimes in the, the middle of it, it's just the first step of coping with your situation. 
I just need to not think about me for a second. How are you doing? How is this affecting you? And it sounds crazy because he's the one being tortured, but it's so true psychologically that when we focus on others' pain, sometimes we forget about our own. It goes from a distraction to a change of a focus. And that focus, that focus can build our faith. So it starts with coping, but it ends with actually being very, very healing. Because if we're not careful, the enemy will convince us that we're the only person going through pain. Nobody's ever had it like me, Pastor. Nobody's had my story. And we replay it. And every single day, we throw a pity party. Party of one. And we RSVP for it every single morning. Somebody look at me. Somebody feel sorry for me. Somebody take care of me. But when I take my eyes off of me, I see, and I promise you, if you will look hard enough, you will find somebody that's in a worse situation than you. And it'll give you perspective that your life's not quite as hard as you think. Now, I'm not minimizing your pain or my pain. What I'm saying is the enemy will keep us in prison of our own pity and perspective. And change our focus to other people. Because sometimes, this is simple. It may sound silly, but you may need to write this down. It, it may provide some breakthrough for somebody's room. Sometimes it just helps to help. It just helps to help somebody else. Sometimes your healing is by helping somebody else. When we suffer, we need to surrender ourselves. Here's the last one, kind of all-inclusive as we close out this part of our service today. When we suffer, we gotta surrender everything to Jesus. I think that's oftentimes the purpose of suffering is so that we come to the end of ourselves and say, God, I don't have anything left. I'm gonna trust you. I wish he didn't have to use those situations, but sometimes he does just to get our attention. Because if, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll rely on a self-confidence and not a God-confidence. We'll rely on self-esteem and not God-esteem. We'll rely on what we can do or achieve or conjure up as opposed to surrendering to him. I surrender everything to Jesus. Here's the last thing he, he gives us an example. Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. This is the criminals on the cross with Jesus. This is one of his statements. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. We read scripture so judgmental. We're like, who, who would scoff at Jesus? But we do it all the time. We blame God, if you are who you say you are, fix this, heal this, change this. We mandate the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creators of the heavens, if we mandate him to our own limited perspective. Others of us, we read that, we say, well, Pastor Justin, you, you're trying to, trying to, to extrapolate this to, to mean me too. I'm not a criminal. Yes, you are. Maybe not in the worldly sense, but in the spiritual sense, the eternal sense, we all are. 
because we're sinners. But pastor, I, I'm, not a, I'm not like a big sinner, like a criminal, like this guy, he's a big sinner. Big sinner. Because see, as humans, we love religion and we love to, to make things make sense to us. So what we like to do, you gotta catch this, what we like to do is we like to stack our sins like this. Like I, I'm a baby sinner. Then I'm kind of a beginner sinner. Then I think that's a really bad sinners. Like don't, don't be talking about me up here because I just, I got, I'm down here. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God does not stack sins like this because all sin separates us from him. God stacks sins like this. Like they're all equal because every single one of them separated us from him. So we're looking at other people like, well, if I did what you did, then I would need to repent. No, 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 no. all of our sins. We all deserved an eternity apart from God. But then he sent Jesus into the scene. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? Say, Pastor, I'm not sentenced to die. Yes, you are. Every one of us in this moment, in fact, in that five seconds of awkward pause, are now five seconds closer to death. Three more seconds closer. We have a death sentence. And we deserve to die for our crimes. We deserve to die for our sins. But this man, Jesus, hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you'll be with me in paradise. We remember Jesus earlier today, but I wanna give you an opportunity to declare once and for all that today will be your day of salvation, that you can say, Jesus, hey, hey, remember me? In March of 2021, when I, when I was kind of doing my own thing, but I was kind of going through a season and, and a pastor got up and talked about some suffering and surrender, I didn't understand a lot of it, but what I understood is that, that I needed a relationship with you, that I needed a moment to remember where I said, no longer my will be done, but your will in my life. And I wanna give you that opportunity right now to remember or to hear what Jesus did for you and then to make a decision to follow him. Would you bow your heads at all of our locations, every head bowed, every eye closed. When we suffer, we surrender everything to him. What if you do that today? Romans chapter 10 says, if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord. We are receiving that relationship today as Savior and Lord. He saved us from our sins, but it's important that we confess him as Lord because that is where the surrender comes in. Lord means control. His will above your will. And we sang about the gospel, Jesus dying for you. We, we talked about it through communion. We spent the last 25 or 30 minutes preaching about it. You don't need to hear it anymore. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And today is your day of salvation. Today is a day where you don't have to suffer alone anymore because you're inviting Jesus into the middle of your situation for the first time in your life. For others of you, today is more of a day of rededication or recommitment. You've walked aisles, you've prayed prayers, you've raised your hand, but if you're honest, when things happen, you rejected God or you ran from God, you didn't invite him in to your situation. You wanted it in the good times, but, but never sought him out in the seasons of suffering. I'm just, I think today, God brought you here to let you know you don't have to suffer alone anymore. Give it to him, all of you. That's you today, here at Winter Park, at Sanford, South Orlando, 
Oviedo or worshiping online, say, Pastor Justin, count me in. I, I wanna surrender all of me to the Lordship of Jesus today. Would you, would you raise your hand right where you are? I'm surrendering, gotcha, gotcha, yep. Hands up all over the room, yep, 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 yep. Come on, several in the stadium right there in the center, gotcha. Back left, yes sir, gotcha, proud of you, yep. Come on right there, proud of you, man. In the middle. Come on, Sanford. Presence of God moving in your auditorium right now, South Orlando. Come on, Vita, right there at Haggerty High School. Raising your hand. Surrendering your life to Jesus. In your living room right now, friends and family alone in your car. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Proud of you. You can put your hands down. Would you pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud? Say this, say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you. I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I'm saved only by your grace. And today I am confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you, that you are the Lord and I'm giving you that place, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Church, can we celebrate all those decisions this morning? It's awesome.